What's up, guys? Devin Zander here with my co-host. Clayton Johnson. And we are... Roundabout! Yes, we are, guys. Slightly embarrassing do that, doing that in front of my business partner, Matt Schmidt. Matt, welcome to the show. What's up, buddy? Oh, 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 there you go. Yeah. Yeah, everyone, make sure you're back in your, everybody make sure you're back on your mark. Yeah. Uh, but today we've got Matt Schmidt on. He's my business partner at Scup. Multiple eight-figure e-com business owner, as well as a great dad, good info marketer, all kinds of things. But uh, Matt, really quick, why don't you give the people like, uh, actually, no, let's do this. We want to start with stories, right? Yeah, yeah. So you want oh. to jump right into it? So, story time. Yeah, yeah. Tell, us, tell, us, tell us a great how, story. Yeah. What, how did you get to where you are today? Like, what made you decide to become an entrepreneur? Oh, God. Um, yeah. Well, you could take that from multiple angles, I think, but... Um, you know, I just always didn't, uh, like to have somebody tell me what to do when I went, when I went to work, it was, I think that was what it was at the core base of it. It was, I always wanted to do my own thing. I always wanted to kind of reach outside the box that I was put into. And, um, you know, you get into a corporate world that has a whole lot of structure and it's kind of an uncomfortable feeling when I think yeah. at the base of you, you want to be an entrepreneur, right? So, um, some people call that the itch. That's yeah. what I referred to it for a long itch. time, but, uh, now that I've gotten, a decade plus into this, um, you know, I think it's just that that little, you know, that feeling that you can do more. Um, I brought, I mean, it makes me think of like a lot of ideas I brought to um, management in several different positions of like, hey, we should try this thing that's new, it's an innovative way of doing something, and like, nah, this old way is the way to do it. And when you do what we do, and um, it's just you can do something and just immediately pivot. Uh, and immediately try something, try something new, maybe fail, but that's all right. It's baked into the model, right? Uh, but you're at least trying new things and being innovative, and that's that's what I wanted to do, and that's what I got me here. So Dude, were you always from the beginning, did you always want to, like, be an entrepreneur? Because you, you did the corporate gig for a while. Yes. But um, So, like, you, when you're young, you're like, no, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Or did you transition into it later on? No, so I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, right? Um, and, you know, Anybody that's from St. Louis, uh, you know, you wanted to work for Anheuser-Busch, right? That's our, our big company, our big flagship, right? Or at least was back in the day. And um, my parents worked there. Uh, my, my dad worked there. My uncle worked there. My brother ended up working there. And that's where I wanted to work. Um, I had my first uh, job there out of, out of college. And I, I thought it was what I wanted to do in my, literally my entire life. My dad was coming home. We took so much pride in it. My house is littered in it. I still take a lot of pride in it what my dad did there. My time there and still is a St. Louis thing, but I didn't figure out the entrepreneur itch until um, yeah, I really, at the reset, height of the recession, I tried some stuff, but I really didn't know it's what I wanted to do until yeah. I had the ability to compa compare and contrast, right? Yeah. Saying compare like, compare yeah, compare, compare and contrast, saying like, hey, um, this is how I'm getting things done in the corporate world. I'm fitting inside that box. And then I was in my own thing and then I started making my own money with it I'm like hey maybe this is for me and that's a long around the time that I met Devin and like we're starting to do these speak you know speaking stuff and helping other people getting fulfillment out of it outside of just making money um that's kind of where I was like I think this is the route I think this is a better place to go what was the first catalyst that sparked you on that was it like I want more money or is it like I don't want to do this corporate thing anymore or what was the kind of catalyst that to get you, that made you actually start because a lot of people are like man yeah i don't want to have my i don't want to have a boss either but they never right. actually you know transition so what was that uh so when i got out of college i had a five-year degree 
when I got out of college, uh, one year after all my buddies, they all got jobs, um, right? Because I came out right at the worst, pretty much at the worst moment. Um, You know, 2008, 2009, look at the stock market, look at everything that was going on in the world. Um, So they all got, had jobs like when they were coming out of college, like, hey, it's, here's, here's your papers, go to, go to work. Um, I didn't. And I had a five-year degree, an IT degree that I thought was going to line me up for something sweet. Um, and I had a girl at the time uh, that I was 100% convinced I was going to marry. Didn't have a job, got home, had to move back into my parents' house. I wanted to avoid that uh, entirely. And then I got into my, my parents' basement and started applying for jobs. And I was applying to jobs before graduation, after graduation. Nothing was happening. Yeah. And I don't remember exactly what got me into it. Like I, I try to think about it all the time, but like, what did I see? What did I find? I just remember being like, Hey, look, I got a damn it degree. Maybe I can make a website. I lost a hundred pounds in college. Yeah. My first ever try Woo! at this stuff. Uh, I, the, my first ever try. This was the, the college weight loss plan.com. And I was going to try to make a little digital information product and sell that. It was really fucking hard to do that. And so I, I didn't end up doing that, but then I found PPC uh, ads and yeah. I was doing Google affiliate network stuff and all this kind of stuff, uh, you know, these things. And it just, I kind of like ebbed and flowed between things. Um, and then I remember a specific moment. I ended up getting a job. I was working in my, I had an office at AV and I just like always kind of just found myself like peeking back at that stuff that I had on at home. Yeah. And I was just like, hey, the itch, the itch. And like that, it just kind of started maturing like that. The times were tough. Um, I, I got out. Of, I got my, you know, that job ended up paying for a house. Got towards marrying the girl a little bit uh, after that. Um, but, you know, that that six years in corporate life was mainly just to make sure that I could work towards marrying her yeah. and, and affording the house. Um, because like I said, for a lot of times, like it was just small income, side income, had, had a local agency years ago. Don't even really talk about that anymore, but that was like a year of my life. Um, just couldn't scale it. And, um, it was just things like that, that always made me draw. I was always trying something, but it was mostly like, I got to keep the lights on. Right. And And that's why I never recommend people. We get questions all the time at SCUP saying, Hey, should I quit my job and do this full time? I can never say that to somebody because it's such a personal question. And I've been in that moment of like, if I were to quit uh, and would try to do it full time, there's a solid chance I would have had to sell the house, right? So there's not a, a you know, I can't say that to somebody without knowing their personal situation or their life and their goals and things like that. Yeah. I, I like hearing the story like that because it wasn't just like you started and then you immediately slam rich. dunk crushed it, you know what right. I mean? Because I feel like that's a lot of the stories that we see online is like it, you just see people's wins and you don't see like, well, you had like three or four different things you did before, you know, you got right. the, the, lo- the latest thing going. So, yeah. yeah. No, those I've never been that guy because I, I, if I if I ever if you ever catch me talking like that and stuff, it's just counter to my my beliefs and my personality. Yeah. And he knows he probably <laughs> I don't like posting shit of yeah. like I fake stuff or anything like that. Like uh, yeah. we see what works and, you know, obviously you could be like the one of the guru kind of stuff. And it's just not who I am. Um, because it's never wor- it, it wasn't my story. My story was a grind for ten years uh, plus to get to this point. Yeah. yeah. Hey. 
Go for it, bro. Okay. I don't know. Every time I try to talk, I know. you just start talking. I'm the, I'm the worst interrupter. Number so, one violator. Uh, <laughs> fun thing about the itch is we had an ad at SCUP, and uh, it was one of our top performing ads for a long time. Started off with, do you ever get an itch? And then it says, you know, no, not that itch. You know, good times. Good ad. Ha-ha. <laughs> but uh, so, like, go, getting from there to, like, where you are now, obviously, uh, you've had a few stores along yeah. the way and things like that. Um, but I think that, you know, we're not here to talk to beginners or anything like that. So, if you want to, yeah. like, learn how to start a store, feel free to go to scup.net. Yeah, it's yeah. fun. But um, I do want to talk about, like, the explosive growth that you had yeah. in 2020. I think that there's a lot that people can learn from that. So I kind of want to ask, you know, like, okay, so little backstory at the beginning and 2019, Matt store did what, like three and a half million dollars in sales. And I think you wrapped up 2020, like just shy of $20 million in sales. Yeah. So it's like massive, explosive growth. What like led to that, you know? Yeah. So something that I would recommend for anybody that's um, in that point, and you probably can attest to this as well, is that when you're at that growth and you can cover your means with a small percentage of your overall revenue, right? So I, I didn't have a lot of personal overhead. Um, you know, the team was getting paid for and then I could start living at a comfortable level, but I took no more than that home, right? I was paying all of our bills, you know, saving for family, doing cool stuff, living a good life, comfortable life, not, not going crazy, uh, buying Lambos and shit, right? And I did a, a a constant effort of something I learned from the corporate world was I just invested every other cent back into the company. Big moves like conversion rate optimization. I spent mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands of dollars on that. I did, um, I, I made everything branded, everything that went out the door branded. I talked to a bunch of experts, hired uh, Amazon agency, Google agency, all the things that I was, um, and, and just people in general, all the things I wasn't an expert in, and I just started diverting my time towards what I could have the most impact in in the company, being more strategic. And then everything else was getting covered. Um, and like I said, took no more home than that. It was tons of profit I could have took home personally. But I knew what happened. I didn't know it was going to happen that fast, to be honest with you. But like it went super fast just because I took, it took about 11 months, you know, 12 months of real reinvestment. Basically all of 19 just every cent back in. And then what happened was I, you know, and our mentors talk about this a lot, right? It was you go from kind of forcing the sale in a sense, right? You're pushing traffic to your yeah. store to uh, now I have a bunch of people that are advocates for me, not literally probably tens of thousands of people that are advocates for me out in the field, wearing my stuff, um, talking about it, engaging with it, repeat purses, you know, buying it for their friends, Doing all the things that happen in a real brand, um, that it just started spiraling, right? And I made a lot of move, uh, not spiral. That's not the right. It started going yeah, like a rocket, like, to like the a moon. rocket ship. Yeah, it started like snowballing, is what spiraling I want to say. Up. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Snowballing. snowballing. So, they, I, they, yeah, <laughs> yeah. snow. No, I mean downhill is like catching speed and growing, and is in compounding. Just, yeah, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> call it what you want. It's you know what I mean. <laughs> people that are listening to the, and watching us. <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, uh, we grew super fast. Um, and then with any good business, I've talked to a bunch of people that do a lot of money that don't do this for some reason is I started again, corporate world taught me a lot of stuff. I started renegotiating 
right? So I went to certain, I cut certain suppliers off. I went to new guys. I switched up the whole business basically, uh, you know, locked in with a real partner and got great rates based off of my now huge volume, Yeah. right? And so what does that do? Now I can take all that and I can reinvest more and I got, uh, you know, better margin. I got cooler products. We started innovating stuff that nobody else was doing um, because I was like, if you do that, I will literally sell, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'm like, how much does the machine cost? And it was like 50 grand. I'm like, I will sell, I'll, I guarantee, I'll, I'll put it on paper for you that I will sell more than that. And so we did it. And then we bought a couple more machines and a couple more machines. And like, and we just kept, you know, we just kept going because I knew I could, uh, you know, push the volume. So once you get to that, you have to like consider yourself as more, use the leverage that you're creating, right? And go back to the suppliers. I see so many people don't do that. Uh, and they leave so much money on the table. There's no reason if you're doing 100 sales that your price should be even 1,000 sales or, you know, and then just keep going exponentially from there. In that time, did you, like, have this vision of how big it was going to go and you thought about it? Or was it just kind of, like, in the moment trying to do the best you have? Or what What was that like? No, I was calling this guy. I mean, like, dude, I had no – I mean, we did <laughs> almost any – we did in a month and a half what we did the year prior. So and, and, and I was like, I was just call, and, and it, it came with a lot of stress, mm-hmm. but I was like, I'm like, damn, this is, I, like, I'm going to send you a new screenshot. Like it just broke, re- broke yesterday, broke yesterday, broke yesterday. And like bad periods were doing better than months of like black Fridays and, and, yeah. and Q4s and shit from the years prior. And it's just like, it was just, it was crazy. And you know, it, it took a lot of to sustain. That's the thing too is. To sustain that event over a year. By the way, I'm working out. I'm I'm working in like my fucking workout stuff out of my home by myself, and like there's no like support structure. So there's a lot of stuff I had to learn how to navigate and do um, in that mode to have that sustain over the course of a year. Otherwise, you could go whoop, and then like right back down. Yeah, yeah. Because if I didn't know I had the right partner to fulfill, if I didn't know I had the right team in place yeah. to the customer support desk. Like, we had to place so many more people, right? Uh, because even if uh, it's not that we had, like, issues of refunds or nothing, but 1% of 100 sales versus 1% of I do 10,000 sales or 100,000 sales, yeah. just sheer volume, yeah, exactly. you know? So, um, and then we had to, I mean, there's things, I mean, I could keep going. There's so many little things that like, pop up. Like all of a sudden, uh, shop by payments. Like, hey, there's a lot of money going through here. What the hell is going on? Yeah. And then uh, you're like, hey, <laughs> exactly what you want to go yeah, on? Isn't this I'm what you want? Sales. Yeah. And or like PayPal, and like you just have to have back. And people talk about backups and stuff like that. And um, yeah, it was it was crazy. It was crazy times. That's something I'm worried about, Scott. Too. I, I literally just logged into our merchant our backup yeah. merchant account the other day yeah. for the first time in probably like a year and a half. And I was like, I should make sure this thing's still on and like <laughs> yeah. still usable just in case we need it. Yeah. But I think um, it's so interesting that, and I, I kind of agree with what you said, that branding was really just a huge proponent of that explosive growth, right? Yeah. Because the one thing that a lot of people don't understand about like word of mouth is that it is really the only compounding channel for acquisition because yeah. it's like, it adds, you spend more, right? So you get like uh, a 1% increase, right? Whatever it is. Um, like with SEO, it's just constant, things like that. Um, but with word of mouth, it, it compounds because if one person tells another person, 
then you have two people right and then they tell two pe- then they tell one person each now you have four people and then they tell one person each is like now you have eight people then it's 16 then it's 32 and all you know like before you know yeah. it it's like thousands and thousands of people so it's really important people don't underestimate word of mouth and then branding um is just a huge thing that leads to that and i kind of want to get your opinion why like why is it that branding is so powerful but not just that what is it about branding that makes people want to go out there and share it you know yeah i mean i think it's um it's a, it's a lot of things right but the first thing that when you were saying that that comes to mind is it, you almost get, gain like an emotional attachment to certain brands right because a lot of the times you will get a result out of the brand that you're buying from, right? Whether that is a, um, like a happier state or um, like supplements, you get a result out of that. Yeah. Uh, so there's multiple, that, that emotional state that you get out of that. Like I'm wearing one of my favorite brands is uh, First Form. I don't know if you can see that. Microphone's kind of in the way. Yeah, whatever. But First Form, pretty big company. Um, and I switched over them for a multitude of reasons. But the number one reason... I like wearing this brand is because it's from St. Louis and it's a company that I, I'm supporting people that work 15 minutes from me. Yeah. And like now the, one, one of the things I go through probably the most is workout stuff. Now I can buy all that money from a local company. So like everybody's got their own reasons, but as long as your brand is established and clear on not just one little thing, but like multitude of things, a lot of people can draw that emotional connection with it. And then you become little advocates for you out there. Right. Um, if somebody comes up to me and asks me about this brand, I'm going to talk to them about it. And I'm going to tell you exactly what I just said there, uh, or that they're better priced than Under Armour, blah, 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 blah. I have multiple yeah. different reasons, right? So it's like you just said, it's, it's about being able to have somebody else speaking for you, which is the best possible person. Because if I come to you and say, Coca-Cola zero sugar is the, is the jam and you need to, and this is the thing you need to drink, you're probably going to try it. Oh, I might yeah. even hand one to you. Oh, please. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's just, it's, it's so much more easy. It's easier like that, right? Yeah. Um, and it's absolutely free on your part, right, is the, is the business owner. Because, like I said, you have anywhere from 15 to 40%, depending on where you are in your business or what, what objective is, is like marketing. margins? Yeah. No, I'm saying, like, marketing oh. costs. Like, okay. it might cost 40% of the customer or the price of the product or 15 whatever you're doing, right, or, or wherever in between, 0% cost for me to go tell you to buy that shirt or that hat or whatever it is so um it's just a way of not only get capturing that moment but the longevity of it too right of that repeat purchase so you have to back it up obviously with a really good product um and a really good message or whatever it is you're selling um but it's about being able to i mean you said it perfectly it's the compounding effort of it um where you might even capture somebody like we're working on a product that because uh, one of the stores that I work on is one person goes into a room with potentially hundreds of people. So what am I going to do? I'm going to create a product that's affordable, hopefully within the fifty percent, uh, $50 impulse purchase yeah. that they can though hand out to people. And I was like, why have I not done that before? And it had my branding on it. Why would, you know, if it still gives me even a decent margin, I might even throw it in there for free if I can, because that's going to be somebody have in there. Now they get to be the cool person too. You know, re- representing not only that brand, but that now it's an extension of themselves. It's kind of like, the last thing I'll say is a share on Facebook, right? I always say that uh, a share on Facebook is the most powerful thing, or a tag now too, because I've been saying it so long that 
the tag the tags are is just like this too. But if you share something on Facebook, all your friends see that, but they first see you, right? They associate this new thing with this whatever they're seeing with you. So it's basically you stating to the world that this represents me. And you're going to back that thing up. You're going to defend it. You're going to do all these different things. The same thing you will do with a brand that you build a loyalty to. And that is infinitely power, more powerful than any ad uh, or any you know, postcard or whatever you send out to somebody. Yeah. So, yeah, I was going to ask, like, so, yeah, I, I mean, I love the idea of branding. I, I feel like if you, can, if you can actually get people to be in love with your brand, that will trigger the the sharing, right? But the question is, like, how do you start to get people to actually be in love with your brand? And like, what are the practical things maybe that you did to like create that brand? Like, if you if you think that a brand is, um, well, I'd love to hear your opinion on what what even a brand is. Yeah. But uh, you know, in my opinion, like, brand is the culmination of the color all. Scheme. What's that? So it's the color scheme. Yeah. 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 The brand the brand is like the culmination of all the feelings that someone has about a brand, yeah. which can yeah. include. I don't know, it's just, it can include the entire experience, could include the logos, the colors, the products, how the products actually work, what the customer support's like, you know, all kinds of different things. It's the entire experience. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah the it's the solution the entire, that you provide to yeah, somebody. Exa- exactly. Yeah. Um, but what are the practical things that you did that cr- can create a, a, an actual brand that people like? I mean, the number one thing that you have to do is not sell crap. Okay. Like, it's almost impossible. Yeah. <laughs> all right, don't sell yeah. crap. Right. This Got is why I, nobody, <laughs> nobody that's... Well, barely anybody that's drop shipping on a very old model of how people started doing that will ever develop that into a brand without making some efforts of quality control, yeah. right? Um, and so the product is, is paramount to it, in my opinion, right? Because when it comes to the person's house, um, the experience they have even opening it yeah. um, is how they will feel. Like I had a very expensive, uh, a very expensive uh, wine fridge come from my, our house. It looked like somebody, it weighs too much for them to do that, but it looks like somebody kicked it all the way down to my house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then when I open the door, I see it, I'm like, I immediately hate this company. <laughs> and I'm like, because this is going to be a hassle. This is going to be everything involved with this is just a hassle. Yeah. Right? And so that experience that you get when they're opening it, they, they take it out of the box, whatever it is, um, that helps that um, initial emotion that you're talking about, right? So, that we worked really, really hard on that. Um, and then the best thing to do, since it's very, very case sensitive, right? As like your brand was different than my apparel brand, uh, or Scuff's brand is very different from, you know, uh, my apparel brand, is speak with the customers that you're going to. So like with print on demand, my been my bread and butter for a decade now, um, you know, the only w- that they buy the message that's on the shirt, they don't really buy the shirt. But they do have thoughts and feelings and and maybe complaints that you should address from the shirt. So it's like yeah, easy yeah. to get lost in the fact that oh they're just buying the message, so they just put it on a you know basic gildan and call it a day. Yeah. But then if you get there and they're like actually, and that was something I did initially early on. I was sold in the dog niche, like we hate black shirts because white hair on black shirts, right? We're yeah. not gonna, that's not a good experience. So I love your pro- but. Right, so we started doing uh, post-purchase surveys, and, and and hey, why almost one of the favorite things is why, what almost stopped you from buying today? So you can say that to the initial customer, um, and then you know anybody that left, you can pop you know, like a pop-up, try to get some more um, answers there. But those things 
need to be solved. Like, so that's what I'm saying. A brand is a, a solution to a problem initially, right? Because that's what they're going to tie the, all those emotions to is that you solve this problem. Now they're going to go advocate for you, right? So we need to work on how do we provide the best e-commerce solution for people in terms of uh, their the theme, right? We want to give them the fastest theme, the best theme, the most searchable theme, all the solutions built into it, uh, the, the greatest. Uh, and then, you know, uh, incubator, like how this community where we're going to build, it's going to be the best solution to help people, right? That uh, is what your brand is going to, because that's what people are going to remember is that experience, that emotions, all those things, those things that are going to recall them to Google later to find you for nothing, right? Might be uh, like the colors invoke those emotions that they're tied into. Uh, but we were talking about this earlier, right? You don't sell the product, you sell the experience, right? Um, that's why, because that's the stuff that gets stored in people's brains, and that's essentially what the brand is, is stored in there is like the file, like, all right, we can go to this cup because that's where I need for my e-commerce solutions, right? It's so like that's synonymous. Yeah. Right? It's just this, the easiest, how do you recall something? Something like a, a, little, a little thing will help you recall something, right? Well, it's just your, your name, your brand. That helps you get that feeling back. One thing that was really strong that I've heard about your last brand, and also I've seen you coach people kind of on this, at the core of a brand is like you're serving a, a type of customers. And we've seen stores, yep. I've seen you coach people with stores that have, they might have good products, but they're kind of spread across a bunch of different people. I'm not really speaking to yep. a specific group. So um, what do you think about that? I mean, like your store probably had a pretty strong avatar that you were talking to, yep. which is probably why the brand can be strong because – they they identified with that movement or that culture or whatever, you know, whatever. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's um, another one of those case by case scenarios. But I mean, it to me, the, the random stuff in a store is is part. I mean, unless you are like on Amazon or something like that. Right. So the, the I sell more of a want. Right. I want this shirt. I don't need, I'm not selling someone the only shirt that they have. Right? They don't need the shirt for clothing. Um, and then I stuff on Amazon. I'm already going to Amazon to buy it, right? Like you have it in your, like when you pull up the app, it's already in your mind, right? You're like, I need yeah. a boop. I need a wine fridge. Go to Amazon, order, boop, there it's gone, yeah. right? So those are two separate different things. The problem I have with um, the multiple category, call it, yeah. stores, if you're driving traffic to it is, I'm in the position where I want to raise my average order value and increase my lifetime value of every single customer. You want to sell the same person more stuff. Right. Yeah. And, but it's also it, like, there was like, okay, that's, that's me, how I look at it, right? Yeah. Well, I'm thinking about the customer too. If I'm putting the customer first, I want them to make a great customer experience. And I can't assume that they're, wa they're walking in like Walmart. Like the guy needs a tire, he needs milk, and he needs plants and shit like that's all there in walmart but that's not who these people are that i'm driving to my store mm -hmm. right but they're coming in under this niche right if i have a golf store right they're coming in and he's like oh i got a golf hat. that's a great golf hat what are the damn chances of him also being like a nurse or like um you know some other random niches that are out there very small yeah but that might be what they get retargeted with. That might be the email blast that you put out to them. That might be, that's not a great customer experience, in my opinion, yeah. when you bring them in and you understand how you brought them in in the first place, right? So to me, 
knowing that 30 to 40% of my sales come through search and more come through the navigation, I know that people are coming and looking around for more stuff under the pretense of the product that brought them there in the first place. Because they understand that your store is for them. The, right. whole, the whole store is for them, right. potentially. That would be great. I think it's, you know, in my opinion, if you're doing, especially on print on demand, um, but the way of working in the e-commerce model is taking the mom and pop store from down the street that you know the people's names of and bringing that to the e-commerce modern day, right? So you could have, I want them to feel like I'm a member of the niche. And if I can achieve that, and maybe if I even am, which is even yeah. better for you, then they will have a great experience. They're more likely to what? Tie this store that they just randomly went to to that niche or they need another one. They're going to have a great product that gets to their door and it makes an easier way for me to build a brand. Guys, I just had an epiphany. What's up? I need to sell in a certain niche. Gay dudes who like to dress up as cowboys. I'm a <laughs> member of the niche. <laughs> I'm going in. Uh, Matt, there's actually something that uh, our mentor, Andy, talks about a lot. And I, I'm finding it to be more and more apparent. And I know you operate this way. You haven't brought it up quite yet because, you know, like to keep the secrets to yourself. Yeah. I get it. I totally get it. But, um, like, one of the best ways to build uh, evangelists for your brand, right? People who just want to go out, shout you from the rooftops. And um, I think this is just becoming, at least in America, right, like a big deal. All right. And it's it's starting to express your values as a brand. Right. Yep. And and letting your customers know who you are, what you believe in, what you think is right and wrong. Uh, and just like the, the type of person you are. Right. Like people want to buy from people. We live in a day and age where the personal touch is removed from everything. I was watching a video yesterday about how on college campuses now robots deliver everything. Like if if you they is have that the, real now? Yes, it's That's an crazy. app. I can't remember what it's called. It's I think maybe it's called Rocket Ship. Uh, for some reason, I thought if I opened my phone, the app would be up. It's not. I don't have it. <laughs> but I think it's called Rocket Ship, right? And so now it's like, dude, you can't even get a delivery driver at your house soon. Um, maybe huh. all these kids. Yeah, you know, I I think it's a bit worse with the younger generations, right? They'll all be fucking like it is not talking to robots and shit. Like they won't <laughs> see each other in person. My brother oh doesn't my go out, right? Like he doesn't do shit. No offense, Tyler. Hope you're not watching. Keep it real. Um, so all that being said, right, uh, I went on a tangent, but people want to buy from other people. And specifically, they want to buy from other people who share similar views about the world, yep. who share similar maybe even like political affiliate or not political, uh, religious, but political affiliations too yeah. and like all these different things, right? So like how do you feel about expressing values as a brand? And I think this is actually an important question because I don't think everybody's caught on yet. You know, if you were to ask me, Two years ago or three years ago, I'd been like, no, 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 no. I, I keep my personal opinion out of everything. I actually learned that from Alex when him and I were partners back in like 2012. Uh, he told me, you know, like, just stay out of it, Devin. Like, it's whatever, right? But I think it's important now yep. to share who you are as a person um, and what you believe in. Ha ha have you done things like that in your business? And like, how, I don't know, what do you think? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, more so probably scup than anything else, right? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if you follow me online, but I'm not exactly hiding my you know beliefs and stuff like that anymore. Uh, and it is a little bit of a, um, I think that, and I think that's by design, right? This is what Andy says. It's a, it's a little scary to do. Yeah. Um, but what does it mean? Like if you're just willing, it, it doesn't matter which side. Like I honestly could give two shits which side anybody is on, right? Yeah. But at least you could stand up and defend it. Like I think people see that as like, 
A, they, you know, they give a shit for real because they may be able to eloquently talk about something, right? There's a difference between people that just share an article that they saw the headline of versus people who could stand up and let's have a conversation of and I'll defend my side, whatever that fucking side is, right? So um, I think that bleeds through for people because like you said, like everything's so impersonal. So I think, but we're personal societal creatures, right? So we're like, we're getting deterred away that this thing is more of a connection than this, right? Uh, for, I was locked down in COVID a month before everybody else was locked down for like the Which very first month. Right. Missouri. Well, yeah, it came over. Yeah, it was from like Chicago people or something like that, right? But it's more of lockdown in our state uh, versus like the other states. But um, long story short, I was like, I, I remember like the, the, the pizza guy, like we ordered pizza and like we hadn't seen anybody for like three weeks besides Amanda and I, which I, I love her to death. Absolutely. Love seeing her every day. But like, I was like waiting to see another person. Just like looking at and the like lines. He, he like, <laughs> he like tossed the pizza on our front porch and got the fuck out. Because we had to tell them at that point that, hey, like, somebody in the house has COVID, right? So, like, I remember by the time I got to the door, he's already halfway down the street. <laughs> so, I was like, I, but that's, like, a, that was an extreme example. But maybe that's something that is pulling people through, too, right? It's like that personal touch. And somebody, I, I honestly think it's just, A, yes, I want to hear something uh, that I agree with. But also, I want to hear someone stand up. And, and fight, maybe fight and buck against the narrative and shit like that, too. Um, I think it's worked. You know, we've been doing it for a couple of months at SCUP. And what have I said over the last couple of months? I said every single call is a better call. The culture yeah. is a better call. We're having greater, you know, everybody's, I don't know if that's a direct effect of us both doing it, because I know you do it on, on our calls, too. Uh, and we had, we had some flags in the background at one point. Uh, still got them. Yeah, still got them. We should put them up somewhere. But, uh, you know, it's. It just, it started, and even I was cursing on a call the other day, and one person complained, and I asked people, I was like, look, I don't know that I'm cursing, it just fucking happens, like, sometimes, and I was like, hey, Taylor. hey, does this, is this, uh, <laughs> is this bad, or would you rather me be real, and this is how I, this is how I talk. Everybody else was like, be real, just do what you're, you know, we love it. You know what's funny about that, too, is once you start building a brand, and you actually unapologetically, all unapologetically like me are yourself, right? <laughs> um, when the one odd person comes and says, stop cursing, but usually everyone else, and I'm not saying this is a good thing to do, but it's kind of fun to see it. Everyone else like starts yelling at that person like, shut up, let Matt do what he wants, <laughs> right? This is a bad show. Uh, love Matt curses, yes, right? That, that's what happens when you create a strong culture. I mean, yeah. okay, so I think that from the, found, from the founders of a company or whatever, it, the, co the company culture is going to be built on you. So I think you should take it seriously. You should think about it because it's going to permeate through everything. You get your first employee, they're going to look to you to see how to act. Do you work from right. 5? Do you work from 8 wow. to 6? Yep. Do you work all the time? Are you relaxed? Do you show up to meetings late? Do you show up to meetings always on time? Do you argue about things? Are you passionate? Are you just really stand Everything is going to come from the founders. And the thing about building that culture is if you create it right, what happens is the people that become into the culture – like it self polices itself. And so you see, even if you don't go, hey, this is, you know, outside of our culture, you see other people, like you just said in the comments, going, hey, no, this is our culture. And so they'll snip yeah. out the bad people. Yeah. I saw that it's happen like in a special place that they enjoy. Yeah. 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 I saw that happen in our business where, like, you know, 
like I, we, we hire all these people and then they go through the culture document in the beginning. So we t tell everybody exactly what our values are and we talk about them. And then I see other people joining and other people, you know, I see them like policing themselves and being like, this one's a bad apple. And those people would almost always either just quit themselves or they, you know, they would get fired or right. whatever, but they would like police itself. Yeah. So fun, man. I'm just thinking of how much fun you just had in that big office. Doing all those fun things, managing all those employees. I'm actually serious. I think it sounds like a fun, good yeah. time, dude. Like, well, it's kind of weird when the business grows like fast because it you come into something that you've never seen before, and it was like you know, it's kind of just like, how do we even get here? I remember when, okay, so like mo in, in the period of our growth, I was actually out of the office because I was living in Colombia at the time, right? Oh, wow. And so the, the business started to grow, but like you know, when I went to Colombia, I tried to like change my mindset, and like I was there like visualizing the company being bigger and stuff. But all I saw that whole time pretty much was like uh, the numbers on the charts going up. I didn't, right. I mean, in the, at the same time, there was somebody in the office just hiring people and getting like support staff, you know, yep. set up and blah, 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 doing all this. And I came back in and I realized like, there's all these people like working there. Cause all I saw was like the numbers. And I was like, damn, like, I'm glad that we had the culture set in the beginning because if not, you know, who knows what that would have been like, you know, yeah. but yeah, it was kind of a crazy experience to see it kind of yeah. come up and see what it, what it took to, you know, get it to go. Yep. That was a lot of fun. Man. I remember when you guys moved into that office space, like the little party you had. I wish oh, you yeah. could have been there. I don't think, did you ever see? I saw the office. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We walked it. Yeah. That was, it was awesome. It's kind of cool. Like, uh, you know, like if you, if you have a vision in the beginning, like it's fun to see the moments of things you never thought were possible actually becoming yeah. possible, you know? So I, don't know, I, I just well, like that. I got a question for you two, both you guys now, because you both have been in a situation that I have not yet been in, uh, which is exiting a company for quite a bit of money. So you guys got some stacks in the bank. Now, look, if you guys wanted to, and I actually think about this sometimes, I'm like, man, is, is Matt going to fucking leave me? God damn it. <laughs> um, if you guys wanted to, you know, you could probably just retire and uh, go fuck off and do whatever. Like you could just go live in Columbia where things are really cheap and, I don't know how expensive Missouri is. Not um, very cheap. So no, it's, it's, it's very cheap. Yeah. It's very cheap. So like you guys already, you, you know, one of your favorite places in the world, it's cheaper than here. I don't, I assume yeah. just looking at the real estate prices, it seems cheap. Right. Yeah. And then where you live, uh, you know, you can get by. So well, especially less than expensive than America right now. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> but especially and your money's worth a lot over there now too, because the exchange rate is, is actually, yeah, yeah. the USD is actually performing well against the rest of the world, which is really interesting. But yeah. So what drives you guys to like keep going? Like you've got a couple stores going again after exiting and now also full-time at Scup being CEO as well as managing the sales team. Mm -hmm. You're with me at Roseanne and like yeah. whoever, I guess Matt, Matt, you can go. go first. Like what, what drives you to keep it moving? Uh, yeah. Um, I just said Ricky's catchphrase. I think we talked about this too, right? Is that, um, moment that it like finally set in like I, I just happened to be on a, a vacation when it happened and I got to have like a really good like saw the money uh, come through paperwork first couple of days sucked because I was like back running back from a pool and doing uh, legal work and on a call but whatever it ended up being just fine but uh, <laughs> so um, you know when I got home and it kind of like hit that I wasn't you, you spend all this time and effort and blood, sweat, and tears on something for years, um, and then it's just not yours anymore. And, yeah, there was a transition period and stuff like that, um, but you just knew that, like, I got, like, there was a couple of moments where, like, I said, oh, we should probably do this, and they're like, ah, we're not going to do that. I'm like, shit, 
it's, it's not my say anymore, right? So it's like, um, it, it's really tough. That little period post-exit for me was, was kind of weird. And I'm like, do I just grow a beard and raise fucking goats in the backyard? Or like, or like what do I do? <laughs> like, but... I think the you have to you start stripping yourself down in my opinion and it took me a little bit of time of 75 hard or two of like really pushing myself and seeing what I wanted to do and you're when money is not necessary like because I started with my back up against the wall like we were talking about earlier right and that was like my main motivator and then like there's these weird instances where I got the car that I wanted for 30 years that was a, a version of my grandpa's um and then I, got, I literally have a house that I wanted some seven years ago that looks yeah. almost identical to the house that I own now. Um, so you start knocking these things off the list, and you're like, well, what the hell is next? And then you're conflicted with ability and money, having it, right, where you maybe didn't have before. How do you start visualizing stuff, right? And I don't want Andy's home, or I don't want, like, I know those yes, certain things. Uh, maybe, but like, I don't know. But like, I spent so long, you spent 30 plus, you know, 30 years in some instances visualizing goals. Yeah. What the fuck do you do next? Um, so that's why you have to like do a little bit of a moment of introspection. I don't know how it's been for you, but like, I started really stripping down of like, what did, what did drive me over the last couple of years? And still to this day, the, some of the coolest shit is that person getting a first sale for me really is like still jacks me up yeah um and then we have like uh yomi that we were talking about like living the life yeah. up and like did we ha we had a huge impact on that yeah, yeah. like I, I see him on instagram i'm like this dude's just killing it or i get i met a student that did a million dollars in a day there he Go is off. yeah it's one of our uh sorry we're turning this into the matt and devin show one of our million dollar <laughs> students who uh didn't want to pay for us to ship his award to him <laughs> so i kept it <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it was just, it's, it started saying like, all right, that's an impact. And then I started taking it into our core beliefs of, I honestly think that entrepreneurs have helped build this country. And okay. if I can get my own piece of that and saying I helped something and I changed this country for the better and helped, especially right now, I get people off their feet, do exactly what I did. I, I don't, I don't know. Like you think about the, the things in the universe of like, I started in the Great Recession, now we're about to tiptoe into another one, and now I'm in this position where I can actually help people like me, you know, from 10 years ago, I think about shit like that, and that's the kind of stuff, so I, I mean, the, the stores and stuff like that, I still, one of the coolest moments, and I'll let you go, um, one of the coolest moments for me is the store that I sold. I was getting to the point where I was seeing, you were, you were texting me and like, oh, saw I another see one. see you all the time. Yeah, and I was like, I went to a, I was on vacation with uh, Amanda, uh, I think it was post-sale, and we went down, yeah, because it was a baby moon, uh, so post-sale, we went down um, to uh, Lake of the Ozarks, and at a bar, not one, not two, but three people were wearing my shit, which was wow, like, wow, damn, wow. and I was like, <laughs> hey, we're talking about, it like a, we're talking about uh, maybe 150 people, right, so under 150 people, but then the coolest moment was, uh, two of them saw each other from across the bar. They were like, hey, yeah, hey, and they were wearing the same thing. And they went over, had a beer, and they were kicking it and laughing it and, like, talking about it and stuff like that. And I was like. Did they know you were there? No, I'm uh, just watching they, all this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to yeah. say something about that. I was just watching this shit. I'm like, 
this is fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, in the moment and the joy and the, it was uh, like this moment that was like happening over them. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to like, I don't want to quit on that. I'll figure out a way. Like my life has been changing obviously. So now I, you know, I work, I try to work, you know, I take my girls to school every day and, you know, I try to have family time after my, yeah. you know, with both of my girls, all my girls now. Um, you know, I, I shift in my life because I have the team, I can do the processes and the structures and I want to make the most, where can I make the most impact here? Right. So I want to spend more time here, changing more worlds. Cause if I can create more of me, then there's more peril that can go out there. Um, and then, or whatever we end up you know, teaching, but, and then the brands and stuff like that. Now I'm just kind of working in passions and things that are fun and, and then, and there. So it's a multitude of things, uh, but it took a, a, took a bit. I don't know how it was for you. This like little couple of months of discovery of like, what the fuck do I actually want to do? And it, it's, I think it's impact is like the best word of it. Like when you have the capability and the assets and the, and the knowledge, you should be making impact with that versus yeah. just trying to make, I'm not trying to make another dollar. It's, I'm not going to have the same drive, just make a little bit of money to cover a bill now. So I, what can I do now that like, absolutely. And I'll, I'll think of the material things along the way, but uh, now it's about the impact. I want to show Matt something before we move on. And um, I think it's, it's like, it really makes sense that you found Andy as a mentor and that, you know, I did too, because what you're saying about uh, impact, especially like how you love seeing the first sale with uh, our customers at Scup and stuff, right? It just makes yeah. me, me think of Andy and how when he started, like he prayed to God every night. You're, you remember, I know you've heard yeah. this before. He's just like, please just let me be successful. Please just let me be successful. And if you do, then I will uh, give everything I know to people. Yeah. To, uh, so they can also recreate their success, right? But there's this meme here. You remember this? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> this is this is like some meme we were making fun of, uh, and I'll, I'll read it to the people, or you can read it. <laughs> but this is it. Just made me think of you, except it's not you know um, yeah. cringe from you. So just so you guys know, this is an image that a friend of us ours shared with us from Twitter. It says, "Isn't it hilarious that you look like a normal human being at the coffee shop? Meanwhile, you're a multi six seven figure or a month earner CEO of a global brand plus do things in one day that most people can't cover him and do in their lifetime. I don't know. It's just really <laughs> so, cheesy. So like, yeah. cringe, yeah, so stupid, so cringy. Post. But, <laughs> but that's uh, real. Yeah. It's, no, it's actually cool for Matt because, um, in a non cringe way, it's like these people are there wearing his brand and they're all excited about it. Meanwhile, they're actually there. Like the, the guy who created it, his brainchild, his baby. Yeah, but he, he didn't go over and there and say, no, hey, I he wasn't a dude. Did you yeah. know me? I'm so cool. It's, funnily no. enough, I've done that to people who are yeah. wearing his brand. I was like, hey, you know, the guy who. Uh, you did that. <laughs> yeah, I did it. I did it for him. I saw this couple wearing the shirt here. And I was like, hey, uh, I said the brand's name. And they're like, yeah, we love this brand. And I was like, I actually know the owner of it. He's my business partner at a separate company. And then we talked about it for a bit, and it was just, uh, it was a really cool experience. And That's cool. You know, I'm just, like, living vicariously through that. <laughs> oh, I finally have a successful business. I tried, and now here it is. Oh, I have, I have a question, man. So has what you wanted changed then? Because, I mean, like, the, the drive is, some to some extent, like, thinking about what you actually want, right? Yeah. Um, so in, in the stages and maybe post-sale, has what you wanted changed? Um. In the post-sale period, uh, I'm still kind of like, there's some, there are some things that I'm still kind of working on. Like I'm building my basement that I've wanted for, for 10 years. Like literally like the shit that's been in my head. Uh, I'm a very, 
in my head kind of person like this even me doing what I'm doing now whether it's good or not good is very much like something that I've worked on over the last couple of years I'd rather just be kind of like in the corner as like the weird introvert guy yeah. um it's strange because you don't seem like that yeah it took a lot I actually forced myself uh into a tour guide position at Anheuser-Busch oh yeah so that I had to speak to people yeah but um yeah so I, I have I visualize a lot of different stuff and then I, I try to do what I can to make it happen um, so like, I'm still kind of working on one, one thing that I know has changed is that now, and I t- had that, uh, I put a video out about this is that there's, there's a couple of different kinds of parents that you'll meet, right? You'll have parents that kind of, and there's some that are bad that'll be like, oh, I regret having this kid cause now I can't do those things that I wanted. Or some people are like, oh, I can't do that. Now maybe they're, they're not using it, but they're saying I can't do that because I have kids. Where I'm over here, I'm like, how do I get my kids in and merge the things that I've always wanted to do? Like, Amanda and I, um, we didn't have kids for a long time when we were married. Um, we had plans. We had things. We had things. Like, the, I want to live on Islam Harris in Mexico as, like, a, a, a part, you know, like, six months out of the year or whatever, right? Now I think about that and how, how do I do that with kids and, you know, what's that look like and how's it? So now they're becoming involved in the dreams and the things that I want. And I'm shape, reshape, they're reshaping. Like I think of my theater, I'm building a theater and now I'm like, all right, this will be cool. Now my, my couches literally have a blue light because my girl is like mid frozen. So I'm like, all right, when I come down here, we're going to watch frozen. I'm going to turn on the blue light. She's going to blow her mind. So like, I, I think of it in terms of like, how do I involve the family? Same thing we do with your wife. Now I'm doing it with the kids. Um, and yeah, maybe like the, the stuff that I want, like I don't want, I don't need another car um i don't think that you know maybe that was something i wanted back in the day or the stuff that you want to do like i want to take uh, all of my girls around the world and like all that kind of stuff so it's just more of shaping what i wanted prior with them versus any kind of new want so far but i'm still kind of working on that right because like i said like i I knocked off a couple of things of the list i haven't really had the sit down period to like what do i want right What is the next thing? Well, I can already see it, you know, because I mean, this is a typical entrepreneur cycle starts with a, a very starts with, first of all, probably pain. And it starts very ego driven. Right. Yep. It starts like very like me, me, me. Yep. Like I want ten thousand dollars a month, you right. know, because I fucking hate my job, blah, blah, blah. You know, right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I want to get it for me. Yeah, yeah. And then you oh, you, you go a little bit and uh, maybe you need you got to hire somebody to, you know, help you or whatever and then there you like give them money or paycheck or whatever and they're like oh thank you for giving me a job like oh okay well yeah i want to grow for us right and then then you help a customer and the customer's like man thank you you changed my life with these products or services and you're like well yeah i want to grow so now i can help my employees and then also more customers right and so it starts becoming less about you and yeah. more about it. And that's kind of like a personal growth thing. And I, already, yeah. and I hear you when you say like, I know you wanted the car and you got the car and blah, blah, blah. And there's some things that are for yourself, which I, first of all, I think you should be for yourself yeah. because you, you got to take care of yourself before you can take care of other people. Yeah. Like if you, uh, the airplane. yeah, the airplane. Yeah. yeah. You got to put on the oxygen mask yourself. Yeah, yeah. Like, what else you gonna, that's a, I mean, that's a great yeah. point for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I can see, you know, you're talking about what you want now and like, and you're, you're building your theater, which is kind of dope for yourself anyway. But oh, yeah, what you said 100%. was, was that, uh, you can just imagine your daughter being there and like yeah. seeing it for her. Okay. Right. And I, I, I know what to get your daughters as a gift now because they actually have <laughs> lights that will automatically match your TV and what's on your TV. Oh, no shit. So yeah. I'm getting it. 
it's yeah. so there's this arc of life, you know, where you start early and you you you're learning for this first part, and then there's this growth, the personal growth of yourself, and then you hit this arc right where it starts being less about you and more about giving back and fulfillment yeah. and things like that. And you think about fulfillment, and you know, I think fulfillment is really uh, about like truly helping other people. That's yeah. like yeah. when you said. Like that, the thing that drives you, you, you told the story about the two people in the bar and it's yeah. like, you know that in some way you truly help them, even if it's even just if it's that, that moment, moment right? Yeah. To have a good time together. And that would be a thing that keeps you going. You know, I yeah. mean, you hit the millions. You didn't say the, the millions are going to keep you going. Probably will be part of it. But yeah. moments like that make it, those struggle times like worth it, you know? Yeah. And I think that's exactly right is that one of the things you can't see when you're starting that uh, you know, people like Andy and Ed have helped me realize is that if you focus on that end result of that moment of creating as many of those moments in the bar, like the only way that you're gonna be able to do that is by having quality product and have this team and all the stuff. So all that shit comes, yeah. uh, I mean, uh, that moment comes after all that shit, yeah. right? Yeah. Where you're focused, it's the same kind of progression that you get when you're creating like an e-commerce business or something like that. Is that you're like, all right, I'm working, I'm, it's all about Facebook ads. Well, in reality, it's like, all right, really, if you want to grow, you're going to have to do Facebook, Instagram, Google, Amazon, and a couple of So you start piecing together and like, oh, I need to be omnipresent. And that's so much easier than this one channel. So like if you focus on the end result, all the other stuff is easier almost in a sense, right? Because all, like you said, the struggle is worth it for that one thing that you truly wanted versus like you'll make money. Obviously, you will make if just statistically speaking, for three people for it to be in a single bar, a random bar that I was at, to have my, I sold lots of product. Yeah. And so I had to do all that for even that a moment to occur. Um, and I think that that's, the, that's the, the real key of it is like you can focus on that thing that made maybe you, me, made me happy. I was probably the happiest person there. Yeah, yeah. Right? It wasn't them. I was thinking, I'm, I'm like, baby, you fucking seeing this shit? Yeah, like, I'm like, you know, are you yeah, seeing this yeah. moment? And she's like, okay, focus on me. I'm like, all right, fine. Yeah, that's right. Baby moon. And so, uh, well, I, I like that because, like, uh, you're basically you transition to love. You know, uh-huh. you transition to doing things for, you know, for, for other people. Yeah. To be honest, I started with rage and hate. You know what you I mean? You still got all that yeah. going. Don't worry well, about I it. I still, still got a lot. But I mean, like, the, the, and, 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 and I think young people, if if you're young and listening to this, like, dude, if you if it sucks, like I, I was talking to somebody once and he goes, I'm so sick of being poor. I was like, Great. No, that's a good yeah. thing. If you if you hate it, use it. You yeah. know what I mean? Because if you're comfortable, that is like that is like the worst. The worst is this comfort part. Yeah. If you go below the comfort and you go, almost our, all, all of our great learnings come from some kind of painful thing where we couldn't stand it anymore. We yep. had to change, you know? So Back my initial thing was I, I hate, you know, just like basically like I hate where I'm at. I have to change. And then also like, uh, you know, one thing I really hated, this is weird, but this helps create a brand is I hated AT&T customer support. You know, like if you ever call in and they're like, hello, welcome to customer support. No, Press nine hello. for what? Hello, welcome to customer support. No, 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 you don't <laughs> even get that. You get the automated voice chain messages. We get to yeah, press 18,000 yep. numbers before you ever talk yeah. to someone. Yep. And I was like, I will never, ever do this. Our customer support yeah. will be fantastic. That's and we'll never have one right. of those chain things. And when customers email in, we're going to email them back like immediately. You know, so because I was like, I don't know, the hate and rage created a standard, you know, and I think also created a standard for 
how I want to live my life because I, you know, I wanted to make a certain amount of money and I didn't want to have a, be in the situation. I want to have freedom, like uh, location freedom and stuff like that. And so me hating to be where I was created that initial thing. But then over time, you know, that can turn into love because yeah. you can give people other experiences. So I don't actually, I, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily bad to have the, the rage and hate. Um, I think it can actually fuel something to get started. No, I mean, uh, one of the things that I think I experienced most in those initial years was fear, right? Fear of, of losing my house. Like my, my back was up against the wall. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, I always, I kid that like, you gotta be like Batman, like Batman's, that's his whole thing is he fears bats and now he uses his bats to scare everybody else. Right. So I'm a dork by the way. Uh, but it's, um, it's that, that same emotion. If you utilize what you have, I think that's what Hermosi says. Um, if you utilize what you have, if that's your thing, don't fight against it, right? So your thing was rage and hate. I was a probably a little, I was a little bit more fearful of like, shit, I don't yeah, want to be. I think I had a lot of fear too. I'm yeah, no, still, I mean. I still have a lot of fear, to I, be honest. Honestly, like all three of us can agree with this or not agree with this, but I was saying that the, one of the worst fucking feelings that I've ever had in maybe fearful moment is I paid every single person in my, that, that I was working for me, all the cost of goods and merchants, everybody got paid, and I went negative the month. Yeah. And I was like, that, and like you wanted to, because uh, a lot of people are like, oh, can I be an entrepreneur? I'm like, well, can you handle this moment? Because it's going to fucking happen. It's some, you're not going to know your numbers. You're going you're to scale. You're going to do something wrong. You're going to lose something. I had uh, a $200,000 mistake before. Damn. And I was like, can you, can you cut that check? And then I'm like, you're probably not going to have a multimillion dollar business. Like, cause that's probably going to fucking happen. And there's like these moments of like getting kicked in the nuts that like, that's going to make or break you. Right. And so I was fearful of those, but then I was like, all right, I know that that's going to happen if, or maybe it's going to happen. So what do I do to do to, in order to prevent that from happening? And I work my fucking ass off to try to prevent that or make the right moves or make the right choices, make the right pivots, knowing that might happen, but I can still try to reduce the risk of it happening. Right. If I work and utilize that fear for good. Right. So that's, Wait, yeah. In terms thing. of your personality type, which side do you usually be on? Cause I, and a lot of times, in entrepreneurs, there's like, or a business, there's two two people that are kind of like the head honchos. And one of them is the kind of entrepreneurial spirit, go do a bunch of crazy things, get get it going, blah, blah, blah. I have dreams of how great it could be. And then there's the other side, which is the more fearful and more like strategic long-term planning type type of thing. And they both can be very useful. Yeah. But um, which one do you lean towards or... I mean, I, a lot of people, if you're an advanced entrepreneur, you've learned both, right? But what right. naturally one do you... I don't know. I mean, um, if any, I, guess. I'm a, I, I do, I, I, I lean towards both of those quite a bit. I was going to say, like, it, he seems like he does both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, that's, I mean, that's like... That's good, then. I mean, yeah, I, think yeah. the, I think, honestly, the business model that I came up with, with the print-on-demand stuff, yeah. like, all it is is try it and break it, and if it doesn't work, then fucking try a next one. So, like, you're rapidly trying at the same time, um, you know, I'm calculated risk and stuff like that too, by nature. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, so it's a blend of the two, I, I think for sure. That's, All right. that's great. What about you, bro? How, why yeah. do you keep going? Like you made, yeah. you made the sale. So what's up? You're, you're oh, back yeah. in the saddle. Yeah. Well, like, like I was saying earlier, I think the, your reasons for going change over time. Yeah. Right. Like I, t I told you the original one was like, you want to get out. And then you grow as an entrepreneur and you, you, you see that you could help 
more, like, like that story that I just told was like that, that happened to me where you realize that you are actually helping customers and, and your vision becomes bigger and that becomes a, a different motivator than what originally started, right? Yeah. And then you get the sale and along the way you start, these things happen to you where you get the things that you've always quote unquote wanted, right? And they're great, don't get me wrong, but you start seeing like, man, th this was like your life is not like somehow you cross the threshold, get that thing that you want, and forevermore, it's happily ever after. It's not like that. I remember I um, I moved into my dream apartment in Medellin. Like, there's a sick, modern building. Yeah. And I finally, I, I waited for, like, six months to get this apartment. I finally got it. It's got a sick view. Oh, it's so amazing. And uh, it, it, it was a great apartment. It was really cool to be there. Um, it, dude, when you come in, like there's this glass door that opens for you and there, dude, it's just, it's sick. Anyway, I remember being in there and it's, it's super cool and everything, but I remember also getting really mad in that apartment or just being like really upset as well. And I, I realized, wow, you know, I can be just as uh, upset here as I was somewhere else. So it's not like I got here and it's hap happily ever yeah. after. Right. So I started thinking about, all right, what, what are the actual things that you want? Like, what is the purpose? So you kind of grow. You have to be a little more philosophical about like what you're actually doing, because all the materialistic or I don't know, young dreams there. You realize that, you know, those are good motivators to some extent, but mm -hmm. those are probably not the ultimate version of you. Right. The ultimate version of you going up that Maslow's hierarchy is, is that self-actualization. So you start yeah. thinking a lot deeper about what actually drives you and what what is the purpose of anything. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about that, I think part of it is, you know, the, the idea of fulfillment. So it's, it's not as much about me as it can be about other people. When we grew the business, I saw I saw the business as a vehicle for other people to achieve their dreams. And I told people like, dude, okay, look, it's really actually kind of difficult to start a business and get it going and, and grow it to where we got to right there. Like statistically, just most businesses don't make it like that. So I'm like, look, we're still in a good small stage where you can come in and you can be basically an entrepreneur. So you don't have to do all the shit that you're not good at, but you can just do the, the thing that you're best at yeah. and use this as a vehicle to get to your dreams. And I saw some people do that. I saw people, you know, like double, triple, quadruple their salaries, you know? And I was like, no, that, that is a cool thing, yeah. you know? So I think you, you kind of cross that arc, like I said, but in general, I think that the, the purpose of my life is to grow. It's kind of like a movie, right? The, it's not about the, the beginning or, or the end or whatever. If you just saw the end of the movie, it wouldn't be a good movie. The, the movie yeah. is because you have this character that goes in it and he wants to set on this journey and he encounters something and he has to internally change and come up and get to the other side. That's what makes the story good is that the character went through this arc and he learned stuff and he changed. And I feel like life is just a bunch of those character arcs where you get all these new opportunities all the time to just like up yourself and go up that hierarchy uh, and, and to self-actualization. And so one of the things that drives me is not just the getting of the money. That is like a cool thing. And I think we should also because I, to be honest, I really do have a lot of fear that even though I have this money, like yep. I could lose it all. 100%. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So that, yep. that is part of the drive, to be honest. But also the other part of the drive is just like, okay, what levels can I get to? How can I learn? How can I go deeper in what I'm thinking about and, and the purpose that I'm set here on this earth? You know, stuff like that. So I think about that kind of stuff, you know, all the time. And that's why we're starting out on this this new company and why I want to carry some of the lessons from the other ones in terms of like setting culture and, you know, creating a brand and maybe do it even better this time. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff, but there's a lot of reasons to keep going. But I think crossing that arc and realizing it's not about me uh, and uh, trying to get to that point of, you know, fulfillment through helping other people, I think that's something that's, that's valuable to keep going for. And I think what you're describing and, and what I said, too, can happen at any point. Like, it doesn't take the exit. Yeah, I yeah. think the exit just forces it upon you. Because a sudden you suddenly have a you have the room to breathe for a second because you're 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 scaling you're running stuff and then it's just that that noise reduction of your life and you're like all right what the fuck because you can have the realization mid business like you know not to refer to him again but Andy didn't sell his company come on the show Andy <laughs> he didn't sell his company yeah. he came to that realization while operating and scaling to to you know multiple billions of dollars it's crazy. so yeah, yeah he's He's had that realization midstream. I think it's just, I feel personally like it was forced upon me at that moment just because, and I wasn't even that, um, you know, it was, still, it was with Scup too. Like, I was like, I want to get more involved and I want to reprioritize and stuff like that because of the impact thing. And, you know, we've had this balance of where I do something and then we teach it and the things like that and that helps the company. But I was like, maybe I can structure it in a better way. But I, I was like, how, have I, how would I have come to that agreement while my company was doing that much and like that, I was running so ha you know fast on that. I probably wouldn't have been. So it's just, or it would take a lot longer. So I think what we're describing is 100% somebody midstream in their company can can reevaluate. It's part of like creating your culture, your mission statement, your core values, those kinds of things that'll really help elevate your business. That are like the things that are just difficult to just sit down and do because you got 500 other fires that are going on at any moment in time. So we've been going for a while. I think there's one more topic that I'd like to discuss if you guys are um, down and it's kind cool. of the situation going on in America and are we at the end of an empire, you know? And I guess this That's is a good question. Yeah. All, all um, opinion, of course, you know, none of us know the answer, but uh, some like interesting things going on in the world. So I, I'm like, I don't know what to believe. I'm, I'm thinking... You know, like, oh, there's no way that America could fail, right? Like, too big to fail. But you, then you think back throughout history, that's literally what every single empire ever has thought. And uh, I like to say, you know, I think history is so important to learn from. And it's like, it, it just repeats itself. Like, there's a saying, right? History repeats itself. And if, again, if we look back, each nation or empire, right, had its its lifetime, which was what, like 300 and something years on average? Do you guys know? what? I don't know exactly. No. Do you know? It's like 300 or so years. Uh, yeah, in Ray Dalio's book, he kind of talks about that. Yeah, it's like two, it, 200, 300. Yeah, if you look back, it's almost like without fail. Since as long as there's been recorded history, every empire, it's gone, started as a very hardworking, uh, like stoic place. And then it went along, things got really well, then things got too easy. We transitioned to a more Epicurean state where we value more things more like liberal arts, less about hard work, more about enjoyment, right? Um, and if you look around, a lot with what's going on, that's exactly where we are. We, we've reached that point of peak Epicureanism, I, probably not the right word, um, but you see things like story drag hour with little kids. You know, I'm sure you listen to Andy's podcast today talking about it. Maybe it was yesterday with like the armed guards and stuff. But it's like we've reached these things that are the total 
almost opposite of what America was built on. And yep. now we're in like this weird sloth, um, like lustful, odd state uh, in America. And I'm just like, what's going on? You know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think um, if you believe the, uh, you know, good, what, what's, I forget the exact phrase, but like the good times make soft people kind yeah, of thing. Good times make, or, uh, Good times create weak men. Weak men create hard times. Hard times create hard men. Yeah, right? I would like, think that if you look at... Hard men make good times. Yeah, I mean, the uh, I would say that a lot of people probably would say we're on one where it goes from... making The next phase is making the hard times, right? Yeah. Um, and we're in the kind of the beginning of that, whether it gets to an extreme or not, I'm not entirely sure. And I, I just know that part of that change that you're talking about there are instances where a generation or two are tested and they bring that and it prolong that, right? The 200 to 300 or whatever it is, is 200 to 300 because the 200 guys, you know, the year 200 helped revitalize the country and they got another 100 years. And so I 100% think that we're going to be tested over the next, you know, certainly in my kids' lifetime, uh, in our lifetime too. Um, and I think that... You know, there has to be somewhat of a uh, a change. We call that whatever it is, but people have to bring us back to some kind of reality speak where we can agree on the definition of words and we can agree on the, uh, you know, the truth that is out there. It has to be some truth in our reality um, in order for us to function. Um, you know, spending $750 billion on something is going to cause inflation in the middle of inflation. Like, that's just how it works. It's not like you can't change... You can't change that, right? So yeah. there's some realities that we have to start grasping um, if we're ever going to get to a, a place of bringing us to the next 50, 100 years. The, the interesting thing about truth in reality these days is it, it appears to be subjective, yeah. right? Like, what is the truth anymore? And I think that's part. So uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but I, I was like the 60s, 70s, 80s. I can't remember when it was, but... Um, one of these news channels in the U.S. did an interview with Yuri Besmov. He's a KGB agent who defected, came to America. Uh, I, I don't know why, but essentially what he said, it was about an hour-long interview. They were talking about the Cold War, and he said, guys, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry to break it to you. You guys have <coughs> already lost the Cold War. We're in your institutions. We're in your ac academies or schools. Yep. We're, we're in your government agencies, and 30 to 40 years from now, We'll be taking over. It's it's not a war fought with guns. It's an ideological war, and so to me, like, I, are we beginning to see that right now? That's what it feels like. So I, I had a business partner. His name is Stephen. He showed me that video in like 2013, and I was like, "Bro, what the fuck is this weird shit you're <laughs> showing me? Like, yeah. I don't, I don't fucking know what this is." And he's like, "Dude, I swear it's happening." Uh, it's like. I don't know what you're talking about, man. But now I like, I'm like, I'm rethinking. I'm like, dude, he wasn't crazy. What the fuck? No. I thought this because more context. He was addicted to drugs at the time. He's clean now, so good for him, Stephen. In case you're watching, but um, <laughs> I was like, dude, this guy's like a drug addict. Uh, like, what is he talking about? I don't fucking know. But now it's like I see it. Yeah. Everything is making less and less sense every day. And I had viewed, and this is my worry for America and maybe the entire world, I don't know. And I might come off sounding like a bit of a douchebag when I say this because it's like, oh, look at me, I'm so smart. But I used to think that everybody had 
a certain level of competence, right? I thought that people could be rational, I thought people could be logical, and I thought people could connect dots. Like, if it fucking <laughs> walks like a tuck, yeah, yeah, yeah. duck, it quacks like a duck, dude, it's a motherfucking duck, you know what I'm saying? And the more and more I, I, I see things, like, let's look at COVID, for instance, right? Literally, everything that went on there, I saw what I was seeing somehow was entirely different right. than what 99% of people were seeing. And to me, I'm like, dude, is it's, it's bright as day. It's clear as day. What I see appears to be the truth. And then what everybody else is saying is their version of the truth, right? It's subjective. And now look, we fast forward, right? Funnily enough, a lot of the things that I thought were true then that nobody else did are coming out as true. Oh, COVID wasn't yeah. that bad. Oh, vaccines maybe are a little bit dangerous. Who knew that, you know, drugs that affect our our actual code of the human body could have potential negative side effects, you know? Yeah. And I I mean, dude, I mean that's just part of it, right? There's so many things that are wrong, but the fact that people can't seem to think for themselves. I think that's what it is. So if you guys are familiar with non-player characters, and I know I'm talking yeah. a lot, I'll, I'll shut up soon. No, no worries, dude. But no, you're good. NPCs in video games, so non-playable characters, right? I even got to the point where I was thinking, holy shit, is everybody just an NPC? I had this really weird trip on mushrooms when I was in high school <laughs> where I thought I was the only person, and I was like, dude, is dude, anybody else? Dude, this might be true. You're is anybody else even know. real? I don't yeah. think it is. I mean, I'm, Elon's debating it. So. I'm fairly certain it's not true. But... I thought to myself, like, am I the only person? You know, am I in, like, some weird Truman show? And then I was like, oh, man. It took me a few months to get over it after that trip. But then fast forward to 2020, and I'm like, dude. I, I saw this post on Reddit where people s were like, I don't have a voice in my head. So, you know, when you think in your head, you're thinking. You hear your little voice. Well, it turns out there's a lot of people who don't have that, who can't think in their head. And I'm like, holy shit, they're not yeah. playable characters. And then, <laughs> and then it led me down this next rabbit path where I was going ahead and I'm connecting dots, right? So I'm thinking, okay, if people can't think in their heads, right, if they don't have that little voice that allows them to think to themselves, is it no wonder that they can't critically think or they, they just follow narratives that are taught to them by the television blindly? They literally, if you can't think in your head, how do you form a thought? How do you have thought processes? How do you critically think and work through these problems to create solutions and come up with your own opinions and your own ideas. Yeah. I, I just, I was like, dude, you can't. But anyways, I'm, I'm just like, the, the whole point of that was I'm worried because it, it appears that as Americans, we've lost, and this is probably a worldwide thing. I don't know. Cause I only spend time here in America worldwide, yeah. and I, I, I talk mostly to a fellow Americans, but we've lost the ability to think for ourselves, to be our own people. And it's, dude, you see it in everything. Now, listen, I've got no issues with people who are gay or trans. I, look, I support you guys. You don't force it on me, and it's fine. I think what you do is good. I want you to do what you want to do because it's what's going to make you happy. What I don't like to see is when it's forced on other people. That's another subject entirely. But, look, a lot of people, they want to think for themselves. They want to be unique. They want to appear unique. So they're like, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll be trans or something. And, look. I know there's a lot of actual trans people, and that's totally fine. But it's like you're you're not being unique. You're just doing what everyone else is doing. What right. social media says is cool, and what a narrative fed to you is the right path. And my, 
I don't I I don't want to bring my wife into it, but all right, I'll just leave it up because I, I don't want to risk her job or anything. But yeah, that was a lot. So uh, sorry, guys. Talk a lot sometimes. Yeah, I mean, dude, I I, I think about this a lot. Um, and politics is actually fascinating to me, you know. And, and thinking about the, the the changing of America, and and it does make me worried, especially if you look at like the economy reasons, you know, if you look at the stock market being on an all-time long bull run, you know, and we're about at this edge. We're kind of trending down now, and inflation is rising, and we're in a weird state where, like, there's jobs that don't want to be filled, and people are quiet quitting, and all, all this different stuff. It's, like, on the trajectory of, like, something really bad happened. But then I kind of think about... Uh, it, it, I do worry about that. I do worry about a lot, actually. But then I kind of think about... Um, what we kind of learn as entrepreneurs and why I kind of deeply love the idea of entrepreneurship and why I think everybody should attempt to be an entrepreneur at some point. Because you realize that um, you go from being a victim to somebody like a victor, you know, they say. So somebody that either the world will control how your life is and everything happens to you versus like you go out and you change the world or you see the world the way it is and you find ways to work around it. Right. And I feel like that gives us great, great power because no matter what happens in America, if you believe you have that inner strength where you yeah. are not the victim, you actually have control, no matter what happens, we will find a way. Uh, and I, that's like maybe the most empowering, powerful thing that you can learn from from entrepreneurship. Or I mean, you can just learn it with even without entrepreneurship. But um, that's one of the things that I have learned from doing a business, you yeah. know, where in the beginning of our old business, I, I had a struggle times, you know, where we would we would not grow. And I would say the Google algorithm keeps changing. That's why we can't grow or I don't have a marketing budget. That's why we can't grow yeah. or whatever numerous excuses I had. And then there, there was a time when I said, I'm going to figure it out. And then it went, you know, double to triple, quadruple, 10x, 20. You know what I mean? And I realized like. All those things that you think, they're excuses. And you can actually change for yourself. You can find a way to do things. Um, even even the small things in your life, they you can take a different mentality. I actually learned this from you the other day when we were in this building and we we're like, uh, the internet wasn't working that good. And I was like, the people here, should they need to change it because we're renting this space at this, you know, uh, this, this co-work space. And you were like, yeah, well, maybe they should change it, but I don't know if they will or not. I'm just going to get my own internet. And I was like, actually, that's a great solution because you just thought about the solution and not about what the right. what it should be or what maybe would be the right thing. It's like, dude, this is the way it is. Here's what we want. Let's go directly to what we want. Yeah. So if you can have that power, it doesn't matter what's going to happen in America. We'll always be able to take it back. That's the thing. It's, that is not necessarily true. Um, let me tell you why. Because if we do... If America, let's say, does spiral and something were to happen, I mean, dude, let's they could literally control every aspect of your life if they wanted to. That's extreme, right? But we, sure. we have control. We have autonomy right now uh, over ourselves and our decisions to a certain extent. There's laws. Certain extent, yep. There's laws and things that we cannot do, break. We, we can, but not without punishment, right? Now, right now, uh, it is the American dream still. It's getting harder and harder every day as things like higher taxes are imposed and things like that. But let's imagine some of these really weird uh, non-American ideologies um, somehow take power, right? 
and they say, you know what? All business owners need to make 99% pay a 99% tax, which is extreme, but hey, it's actually happened before. All right. We've had 70% plus tax rates in the U.S. before. Now, some states are not that far off of that. Yeah. If you go look at California, you're um, paying like 60 plus percent of your wages to the government, which means you are effectively a government employee. Uh, and you're paying them most of your wages, and they let you keep a little bit, right? So, interesting. But, you know, um, so I, I agree with a lot with what you're saying, and that yeah. is a good way to look at it. But if you don't solve the core root problems in America, and it might not affect you, okay? Yeah. Your, your generation may be just fine. But what about the next generation who they're taxed so high, or, like, there's these weird rules in place, whatever, that it almost becomes impossible to run a business. Because in my opinion, what the government is trying to do is create a welfare state. A welfare state is where the populace relies upon the government for everything, right? Their food, their entertainment, their this, that, whatever, you know, like everything, essentially. And if that comes into place, then it doesn't matter how optimistic we are or how strong we are or how we have the go-getter attitude. It's literally like you can't do it. And then maybe they put some rules in place where, oh, you know what? What was that show? Um, the Handmaid's Tale. You know what? You can't even leave. You have to stay here. We're closing down our borders. You can't get out. Well, I guess there could be some extremist, you know, idea of the future. And maybe that could happen. But, you know, there are people that are, even if you go to jail, you don't have to give up your mind. You know what I mean? But in the context of what might actually happen, look, if the taxes get too high, that businesses can't run, guess what's going to happen? People just leave. You just sleep. You just go to another place. Yeah, there will be – the world is a very large place and it's very easily travelable right, right now. I mean, people will just leave if, it, if it's – you can't start a business here. Look, America is still a great place for opportunity. That's why people come from other countries. They start businesses here. Yep. You know, like Elon Musk is not from the U.S. He's from South, South Africa. Um, people come here because it's still the greatest opportunity. But if it becomes not the greatest opportunity, people will just go somewhere else. It's just kind of yep. like, yeah, they left their place to come here. That is, the, that is the real key, is that the, if you're talking about a pendulum swinging to one side, it's got to go back to the other side. Um, right now, we are stepping... The question is, how does that happen, right? Because this, the 60% tax is because they have so much shit that they've built into the system. So the system is now, they're covering their ass on all this different stuff, and they got water problems. And like, it's, it's getting to the point where it's so stupid, too. Like, now they can't, you can't buy a... a gas-powered car in California, and also at the same time, they're telling them not to charge their electric cars. So what the yeah. fuck are you talking about? Yeah. So these happen, like, simultaneously. Like, you can go, if at the time of this video, there's, a, like, news articles comparing each other. And it's like, so it's so stupid and so convoluted that the question is, how do you reboot the system in a way that is the most peaceful way possible? Because there's a really bad way to do it, and nobody wants that. And then there's a good, a decent way to do it. And then when those crumble, those systems or not systems, the countries have crumbled, empires have crumbled. They didn't figure out a way to do it, and it wasn't peaceful. Or they, you know, they, they, yeah. you know, their, you know, Rome fell because they were so corrupt internally they couldn't protect their own borders and all this different stuff like that. So there's multitudes of ways uh, for that to happen. The question is, is how do we get back to a, uh, a people? And you, you said it exactly is my feeling too is. The, what you're trying to say is that uh, it's very similar. So I agree with what, what it is, but we as a society have to get back to certain core concepts. I think one of the biggest things that we've lost is personal responsibility. Yes. 
You can look at the last two years of people literally just sitting around and waiting for someone to fix this thing for them versus like really looking at it. Like you and I had conversations of, of like, Oh, I really need to keep myself personally in shape. I'll make sure I take, you know, vitamin D and get this walks and fight it like that. Does it prevent you from getting COVID? No, nobody fucking said it was going to. Right. But what am I going to be armed in the case of the scenario of, of getting it? Yeah. I had it, uh, you know, I, I probably had it twice, but it didn't do anything for me. I got literally worked out twice a day, still doing 75 hard the, the whole time I had it. Is that the one-off scenario? My wife had it really rough the first time. She was more healthy than I am. But the, pro- the thing of it is, is like, wouldn't you rather be prepared for this thing that you're, you're supposedly so scared of, right? And that connection of the dots for people is the thing that is, has lost me, is that there's a lot of people, I try to think of it as, are people just not able to critically think like you're talking about? I think there's a lot of um, goodwill there's a good segment idealism. idealism, like virtue signaling, thinking that they're doing the best thing that's fucking possible. When in reality, they're doing something bad. It's like um, true. One of the best things I've heard in the last couple of years is true love is telling somebody what they actually need to hear yes. versus what they want to hear. Thousand percent love. And it. and it's like you, you like you that that is so gone. Like, tell me one fucking time that we had a press conference in this last two and a half years about and a big presidential speech about people getting in shape and eating healthier and doing stuff like, Hey, be better prepared, get out and see the sun. No, we locked, uh, gyms, closed beaches. They arrested a dude on the beach, like trying, he was just trying by himself. Like it it didn't make, it was so hard to that virtue signaling. I got to do the good thing. That didn't make any fucking sense. And that's like, that stuff is in our society. It's baked in social media. And then it's like the the long-term thinking, is gone too, right? It's all about the moment. So it's like this blend of people who think they're doing the right thing. They just want to be good. I'm just going to wear it because it's like, and it still doesn't make any logical sense because Florida should be dead if like two and a half years ago when you got, or when you're governor. I'm, I'm a zombie. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, if you don't wear a mask, you're all going to die. It's like, well, I'm, I've been coming to Florida and it's still here. And so can, maybe we can move past this thing or people wearing a mask in their cars. It's like, can you, pl- by themselves, it's like, can you just please just take a breath, and I know it's, you know, just and, and think through the scenario. Because if, if we can't get people to get back to doing that, because that's what you're saying is that's forced upon you when you're an entrepreneur. You have to think, you're okay, like, how do I, like, that? that's, that we're just kind of like the people that do it all the time every day. But, like, everybody still does that in their normal life. They just have lost that a little bit because they're kind of conditioned for someone to tell them what to do. Dude, it's like... It really just makes you think, man. Our government fucking hates us, right? Like, uh, they w- it's it's all propaganda. Be scared. Why? Because a scared populace is easy to control. Do what we say, or you're gonna fucking die. Like that's like the whole thing, right? Yeah. And it's just. Uh, or it's just like the you know they they get it gets up to five dollar a, a gallon gas, and then it gets down to four, and they they want us to thank them for it. It's like still up. It well, it's up from two. So, like, it, it you know the it's the government it, it, and through convoluted it's good marketing, you know, what I'm it's great it's marketing. It's, it's like, know. oh, can well, we? Like, I'm gonna put this. I'm gonna put this boot on your neck, <laughs> but then I'm gonna take it off a little bit, and then you know, hey, thank me for taking thank it off. Me for, yeah, dude, it's just again, people. It's like the inability to see the big picture, right? I I don't even know what to call it, right? But 
it's like if you can't see back two years ago to when, oh, I mean, like, let's just say another thing about uh, Donald Trump, right? With his presidency. Oh, man, worst economy ever. That's what people say, right? Oh, he ruined the economy. But what about the first 75% of his term before the entire world's economy went to shit? And let's remember that the U.S. dollar is still outperforming other currencies, which I I don't understand, but I don't look into other countries' economics. So um, that's probably why I don't understand it. And But it's like, how can you not see everything that's happened how can you so blindly follow what people say dude i, I can Bias definitely under, i can understand drug. it man like I look looking at every almost every really important issue is a multifaceted very complicated thing to yep. really see it it looks like one way on the surface and you read a headline and it sounds like that should be true and then if you actually go deep into every issue it's very very complicated and multifaceted it's not as simple as it seems and you know that if you look at in your business it's so so simple to see you ever had somebody, something happen in your business, and you go over to them, and you're like, you're enraged. You're like, what are you doing? And then they explain it to you, and you go, oh, yep. I get it. Yep. And then another thing happens, because the, you go to the expert, right, the expert that's supposed to be handling that, and they explain it to you, right? And they're like, dang, I, 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 I didn't understand. Yeah, I guess I can understand how that was. And then later, you go back, and you figure out what they said was wrong, and even the expert was wrong. So two times you change your mind about it because the situation is complex and that happens in a small business now think about a country of like 350 million people and like serious even like philosophical issues like um like abortion it's like even a philosophical issue you know uh there's the the practicality part of it but then there's also like people do you even understand what question we're trying to answer like the question we're trying to answer is when when does life begin you know what i mean people don't people don't think that deeply about the issue so what i'm saying is that like almost everything is just Super complicated. So I have empathy for every side. I even in my own thinking, like I will think something and go like, let me let me go look at the other side's argument. At least I try to, even if it's hard, yeah. because you know everyone has their own internal biases. You don't even know how biased you are internally. So if everyone could do a little bit more of that, we could just be reasonable people. I think we could come come together. But that that's also asking a lot. You know, they say like uh, if you think about. Um, uh, how dumb is the average person, right? Seven. Pretty dumb, right? And then you think about, okay, by definition, that means 50% of the people are dumber than that person. You start thinking, oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh. this is why it's so hard, right? Oh. <laughs> huh. So so anyway, I have empathy for, for this because these issues are very complicated. There's a lot of bias. There's a lot of information out there, and it's hard to find out what the truth is. You think there's a lot of fake information out there? Yeah, well, and even you can say things that are true that, um, you know, don't tell the whole truth. Like, lying with statistics. Like, yeah, you can yeah, def- well, make, not, you not can even lying. Like, anything. for example, you could say that um, more white people are shot by cops every year than black people. That is statistically true. But if you were to look at the populace of America, there's way more white people than black people. So that it, it is a truth, but it's not the truth, right? And so it's easy to say something like that, and people be like, well, did you know that? And then, like, it doesn't actually tell the whole story, right. you know? So these kinds of headlines are, are, are talked about all the time. That's why people say this and they say that. It's because they read on a headline, but it doesn't tell the deep, profound, like, uh, know difficulty of understanding the whole situation yeah, we live in a world that needs a simple solution needs it now right yeah. so it's almost like we live in this world that that has the 
most information readily, like all these devices, we have multiple devices that are like magic to people a hundred years ago and sitting on this desk, all the information that ever existed can be accessed by any of them. And yet we have people that are still, like you said, that are very dumb and, and and like, but they don't want to look any further, whether it's bias, whether it's, you know, called laziness, whatever it is. But, uh, you know, the confirmation of getting some, seeing something in a headline, being like, oh, I'm confirmed on my previous bias. Maybe and then never look at anything. Right. Or maybe it's a little maybe bit of everything, right? Maybe it's yeah, like but you can, feel, you can feel like you're informed off of a headline. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah, yeah. But you don't think you're, you're – you are ignorant of the situation, but you don't feel ignorant, so you have that yeah. confirmation bias. It's like chosen ignorance. I choose to be ignorant because right. ignorance. No, I think it's actually it's impossible, dude. It's impossible to to hold the amount of knowledge you would need to have to be really super informed about the multitude of issues that we face. Now, I'm not saying that you can't have a good opinion and think about it, but I think it starts less becoming about the the issues themselves and starts becoming about your core values and how you see the world and the things that you have through your own experiences. I mean, you can you can still continue to investigate and 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 I think you should be an informed person so you can have like good discussions with people. But at the same time, I also recognize the immense complexity of some of these issues that we're talking about. I mean, we're also yeah. not even talking about a specific issue. We're talking about the decline of America, which involves a, a, a ton of different things. You know what I mean? I think one of the greatest things, when it, it, I, I don't know how long we're going, one of the greatest things that we're, um, I, I heard about people, you know, we, we, we discredit people from the past quite a bit as being like stupid or primitive or whatever like that. But back in the day, man, you had to know pretty much everything about anything you were doing, or do you die, right? So you need it to was prob- easier. Well, no, you would need you need to know how to grow crops. You would need to know how to build a house. You need to know how to do a fire. You need to do you would need to do so much, maybe different stuff. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't yeah. call any of that shit easier. Okay, I well, would say uh, it's well, different. I can clarify, but yeah, just continue. Yeah, yeah. No, but I would say they had to know a lot in detail yes. about. Multiple things. The, the, where the, the number of things, things you needed to, to in order to live. Right. right. Like yeah. it's very not one of us could just go to a field. Yeah. And just That's grow crops. Right. Right. But like I'm just saying, <laughs> or like I like, could I build a house? Yeah. No. no. Yeah. Right. So like, would I die in the woods by myself? Pretty pretty quickly, probably. Yeah. Right. But a, 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 the whole human population grew up like it. So the point of it is, is that you a lot of people think they're independent right now and they're so. Um, not to bring up the abortion issue right there, but like the 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 um, what's the uh, no? What's the the moment of where they go, the a child could live on its own? Um, I understand what you're saying. Or whatever. So like that's the argument. It's the the, the certain weeks. Uh, it's uh, not vital, but viable. Viable. viable you're right. Yeah. So viable outside the womb. And it's like you think about that. It's like how many people on their own right now are viable in a situation without people helping around them. Yeah, yeah. Right? There's somebody else cooking your food, somebody else yeah. hunting for you, somebody yeah. else getting your water. Your water just fucking magically comes to your house. Yeah. There's people in this world right now that have none of those luxuries. And I would think, oh, I'm so smart because I have my phone, I read a headline. When you're, and so that's what that easy times actually is a false sense of security, false sense of intelligence, false sense of a lot of things. Because honestly, you couldn't fucking live on your own. You couldn't. Li- you got so many people. Uh, who's the house that you're trying to buy? Who built that house? No, you don't know. I don't know about my house. I don't know half the shit that goes in my house. Right? Uh, I, you know, if, you, if your business, like tying it back to business, when you're a small business owner, you have all your hats on. You learn so much because you have to, right? And that's what the people back then did. So I think 
there's a lot of comfortability right now of people who think that they're on the right foot, but don't list, you know, the, the ultimate to me, I don't, I don't or the ultimate like signal of this virtue signal is, is the fucking mask. Right. I was like wearing it on my face, displaying it as saying, I didn't think about this a little bit further. I didn't think about this a little deeper. Now, if you thought about it a little further and deeper, and you still came to that conclusion. That's perfectly fine. I'm just saying most scenarios, that's the case. So solution for America Guys, self-reliability, self-accountability, personal responsibility. personal responsibility, and thinking for yourself. Yeah. Just like try. That's that's it. Like three stupid dudes who <laughs> got lucky in business try to solve America. And think about think <laughs> out think about uh, the other side. I think I love that when you said that. It's like a lot of people are just afraid to. I think you should be able to see see here and and discuss with the other side, and that should even. That you're, you should feel better about your own stuff because you got it validated of like why you could break another conversation down versus just hiding in your own Twitter, you know, the tweet that you uh, saw online, right? So Yes, sir. All right, dude. You want to wrap this up? Yeah, yeah. great. Well, let's do it. That yeah. was a long Thanks one. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, yeah Matt, always a pleasure. Do that Boop. fist bump. Boop. All right, now for the viewers who somehow made it this far, <laughs> I have a question for you. If you what? haven't, no, no, hold on. Jesus. He's all excited. He's all excited, guys. <laughs> If you haven't yet liked, commented, and subscribed on YouTube, what are you doing? <laughs> Sorry to subject you to this, Matt. Um, yes, if you haven't yet liked, commented, subscribed on YouTube, make sure you do that and make sure you ring the bell. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure that you leave a review, five stars, baby, and include text five with that stars, review. Baby. Make sure you subscribe. If you're on Spotify, leave a review as well as subscribe and go to rowdyboys.net if you want to sign up for our email list. That is it for today's episode. It's like late. Usually we do this during the day. It's 8 p.m. Yeah, baby, it's late. We've been going for a bit. we got to go get some tacos now. So everybody, thank you guys for watching. Appreciate it. We'll see you next week. See See you. Cheers.